This month's Where Did the Road Go is brought to you by three amazing people. Super Inframan, Allison Cook, and 36 Dingo. If you want to become a patron or a sponsor, go to wheredidtheroadgo.com. And now our show. Transmission start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya. Welcome to this edition of Where Did the Road Go? And tonight is our annual UFO history show. Uh, with two people I enjoy talking to quite a bit. Mr. Aaron Gullius. Hello. Host, host of The Saucer Life and now a new podcast called... Um, Great Lakes Lore. We had a, a year-long run, um, and it's it's sort of... Um, we finished it with the year of great, interesting stories and history of the Great Lakes region. And so we've got this sort of like year of, of history out there for people to listen to. Um, and the, uh, the Saucer Life, which is... Um, in no danger of ever finishing, I think. Um, yeah. Wait, is the Great Lakes lore thing done? Yeah, we did a oh. year, and we're like, we're like, we're exhausted. <laughs> so, um, uh, just work and um, well, me with having the other podcast because I, I sort of realized that with the scheduling, I was doing an episode a week of podcasts that are incredibly research and writing intensive. Gotcha. Um, on top of uh, on top of work and everything else, and uh, Samantha had huge work uh, stuff uh, happening, so we were just like, okay, let's. It's it was fun, but man, we're, we're tired, and we got this great year <laughs> of material, and right. that's great. <laughs> All right, okay, and Mr. Mike Cleland, of course. Greetings. And Mike, I'm not totally sure what you're doing at the moment, other than working on a book. Uh, and of course, you have a number of books out. Are you doing anything podcast-wise or media-wise? Yes, I'm talking to you right now. That's true. You need to be on here. You both need to be on here more. I uh, uh, I have I have been single-minded and totally trying to focus. Try as sometimes as to to finish this book project, which I'm getting very close to, uh, and it's been as. I mean, if I wrote any slower, like the the the, the cursor would be going backwards, <laughs> erasing one letter at a time on the on the manuscript. So feels like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you'll still have your book out before me. Don't worry. I hopefully this this 2023 will be the 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 year. It it I'm, I not hopefully I'll I'll amend that. It will come out in 2023. All right. Yeah. I I look forward to it. So do I. I do too. I yeah. So. Um, so this is UFO history 2022. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So I've been trying to keep notes all year. I'm sure I missed some big events, but it seems like it's not, not anything really, uh, big happened this year. No, it, uh, it doesn't. I was, I was thinking the same thing. I was sort of Googling around and looking at the, the year end recaps and things. And, and there were some, you know, press conferences by yeah, government yeah. officials and, that, that said very little. Um, and, uh, we lost some people, yeah. um, as, as we, uh, as we always do. Um, but, um, yeah, nothing, nothing really, really earth shattering, at least for the, the elements of UFO culture that, that I'm 
sort of interested in. Uh, no, no new contactees burst onto the scene or anything like that, which is you know always sad. But uh, but yeah, it, it seemed a, a pretty low key year in a lot of ways. What do you think, Mike? You know, it, I agree that the stuff from the government. Uh, I just find that sort of deadly dull. It doesn't interest yeah. me in the slightest. <laughs> um, you know, the I'm the people talking about lights in the sky and government documents and do we have uh, you know crafted or every exotic materials have been collected how you know that kind of thing is you know maybe but i don't know i just i tend to tend to try to figure out what the smoke and mirrors is and what kind of agenda they're truly trying to obfuscate you know they're saying something um, my my only thought is like what are they not trying to say you know what's where's the misdirection where are they trying to lead us away from right yeah so i but as far as the year you know there was a few books that came out in a in a um, and some folks that passed, but that, as I, yeah, so I, it, nothing stands out for me. I, I, I will say I'm noticing, and maybe it's just because my phone's algorithm is, is picking up on it, but I've noticed more and more like UFO reports and stuff coming up on like local news stuff, which I didn't tend to see in the past. And again, maybe that's an algorithm thing. It's hard to say, or maybe, and, and they're not like joke reports, you know, they're just, they're not, uh, they're ta- just reports like you would report anything else. Well, I think times times have changed. I think people are more open to it than they would have been certainly twenty years ago. Oh, yeah. And 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 to a good deal ten years ago. Uh the the general populace is much more aware of it, whether that's the New York Times article from two thousand seventeen that kind of was a crack in the dam, or whether it was just I don't know, just everyone, YouTube and and ancient aliens and and late night. I guess they're not even whatever streaming. I was going to call it cable TV, but there's no such thing as that anymore. You know, streaming <laughs> documentaries that that feature UFOs and YouTube and things like that. I think it's just it's become it's saturated the public consciousness in a different way than it had 20 years ago, where people sort of treat it normally now as just yeah. a, as, as it's not such a fringe topic anymore. And and I find like the, the government reports are basically saying, yeah, there's some stuff out there. We don't know what is. Yeah. Cool. We've, we've that, known that all along. Thanks. You know? Yeah. I, I think it's, I think a lot of those government reports are sort of, you know, necessitated by people saying they've seen things and having the video things that end up being being out there and so they have to say something and they have to do so and they, they have to reveal what they're doing which is paying attention to things in the sky near you know warships which honestly i've said this before i'm really glad that our military is paying attention to what is in our airspace right, right. um it's just sort of what you expect them to do and that doesn't mean that it's alien um it doesn't mean that it's even something anomalous. It just means that it's something we haven't identified. And once we've identified whether or not it's a threat, it doesn't really matter what it is um, from their point of view, right? right so, right. you know, okay, this isn't going to damage an aircraft or interfere with flight patterns of commercial passenger line, passenger jets or whatever. So, you know, hey, look, little wobbly thing on <laughs> a video. Great. Wonderful. And of course, it can also be a way to disguise our own tech. Like, let's let's, right. let's see what our own people make of this tech that we have. That, yes, yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Which may not even be government; it could be corporate owned. You know, yeah. Because yeah. if it was way, corporate owned, you'd probably want to tell someone inside the government. Not no, no, to, no like, I mean the, the government the outsourcing. Bombs at it, yeah. I mean the government outsourcing to private companies because that way they can't be hit with a Freedom of Information Act. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all proprietary. Yeah. 
So, I um, because some of those Glimmer Man suits, I think, were something that was being developed by corpor- corporate entities for the government, which are the invisibility suits. You guys, oh have, yeah, which yeah. I don't know anything about those, but I've except for you know you you know whispers online. So yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see if we if we go back early on, um, fairly early in the year, uh, Betty Anderson Luca died. Yes, and I actually was Very reading. Recent. I was listening to your audiobook, and I, I had read. I've read all. The, I've read the entire uh, series, the Ray Fowler series, um, and uh, had a huge impact on me. Those books. Yeah, they were classics. Um, it's been a long time. I should do an episode on them, um, but it's been a long time since I've read them. But it's it's amazing. Um, you know, these these books come out, and along, you know, not too far removed time wise from from Strieber's stuff. It's all they all sort of come out in that sort of early abductee era. And there's so many of the the classic abductee tropes that are that are in that book. And it's amazing how many things can be traced back to just uh just a few um really, really seminal cases. That's true. Yeah. And she did drawings. She did these beautiful yes. drawings, and it's funny because as an I'm an illustrator, and and I you can kind of watch her her skills at at a, as an illustrator from book to book to book. Um, by along about the fourth book, she was pretty detailed on on some of those things, and um, you know with all the the very trippy interiors of the ships and 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 games that the that they would play with balls of light and stuff like that, and little arrows and little little uh, instructional drawings on or like. Um, in her own handwriting, you know, yeah. what was going on in the room and stuff like that. It became remarkable. She got very, very good at that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's some elements of it that, uh, that, that really sort of are, are reminiscent of sort of the classic automatic writing and, uh, and, and things like that, which hmm. is interesting. Cause I think, oh, who was it? I think George Hunt Williamson, the contactee, there was some automatic writing involved with some of, uh, some of his stuff as well. Well, um, or no, some, maybe not him. Some of the contactees, um, and and so you you've got you know that element which which the artwork, the writing, it, it isn't a typical thing. So it, it's it's a really really fascinating case, and I need to reread those books. Um, there, that's a big. They're thick. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They're they're on my list of of things to reread that I never quite get around to. I should probably just like order them like tonight. <laughs> Well, before I forget. And what? then in Raymond Fowler, I think it's actually going back to 2021, maybe. Raymond Fowler actually put out a book. He must be, I'm, I'm going to be very cautious to say this, but he's probably close to 90. Wow. And uh, he, he put out a book recently. So, Well, she was, let's see, she was born in 37. Uh, oh, okay. Know. I don't know how old that made her. Uh, um, there was a, she would have been, oh gosh. 87. Yeah. I was going to say late no, no, 80s. 85. I'm sorry. 85. I typed mid-late it wrong. Mid, mid, late yeah. 80s. Yeah. Um, I've never read them, honestly. Oh my um, word! Oh my word! They're remarkable. They're one of those. It's very slipped it's, by me. She's she was a devout Christian, and then also um, Raymond Fowler has a devout faith in Christianity, and and so there's a there's a Raymond Fowler. I believe you know for the most part Raymond Fowler remains objective. Wow, Betty does not remain objective. So it's all <laughs> painted in this this realm of you know, God and Jesus and heaven and angels. And so it's, you know, just go into it knowing that. And um, there's a remarkable event in the very first book, I'm doing this from memory here, where 
Um, she is under hypnosis, is retelling an event on board a craft, and the little beings that which would be the prototypical gray beings kind of say, um, I think I've, they say, touch this button on this box. And she goes, okay. And then as soon as she does, she's like, whoosh, she's vaulted into this out of body experience. And she basically goes through the tunnel and like ends up on this, like it, it's completely, it sounds like, um, like computer generated special effects. This was, hmm. and she's on this altar kind of thing. And there's this, um, giant bird, like a giant bird standing in front of her and the bird, like in, 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 uh, according to Raymond Fowler, he said it was really, you know, remarkably, uh, emotionally powerful when she was actually in the act of reciting all this under hypnosis. So she's standing in front of this giant bird and the bird bursts into flames and she's feeling the heat and she's like, Oh my God, I'm going to like the bird is so big and the fire is so strong. She's like, I'm going to get burned to myself. I'm going to get, and then the, the bird goes completely to ashes. And there's this weird, weird detail the the ashes like turn into these like organic little worms. Like the ashes are undulating around like these like w- weird worms. And then out of the ashes rises up a golden bird and she's just completely thunderstruck and in awe and, you know, can barely get the description out. And she drew pictures of it. And she's basically describing the phoenix bird, right. in which is not a Christian sort of trope. It's not a any part of the folklore of Christianity, but it's folklore from the Native Americans and Egyptians. And, and but it so she's tapping into this archetype that she has she's oblivious to. And um, and that was remarkable to me. And that that really struck me. That that oh and then and then she came back to where the aliens were basically like she like oh now she's in her body again and the aliens were kind of like like what happened like how did that go for you like they didn't really understand where she was going so she and then she very much felt like it was narrated by God himself like God was saying Betty were you know pay attention and then this wild thing so now Betty you're going back I'm paraphrasing poorly but that's pretty yeah, close. Yeah. <laughs> was was were all of her memories recovered under hypnosis or did she remember anything conscious? Lots 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 was remembered uh without hypnosis and then there's plenty of just every you know black helicopters and phones tapped and crazy synchronicities and and premonitions and ESP and yeah it, it, every every little box on the checklist gets neatly yeah. filled in on, on her, in her case. Interesting. And this went on through her whole life? Yeah, because when she started, she was Betty Andreessen, and then it was called the Andreessen Affair, and she married Bob Luca halfway through the whole thing, and then they started to be calling, uh, I can't remember what they called them now, they they changed the name from the Andreessen Affair to the Watchers, and then... Yeah, it's it's confusing. Um, I remember at one point when I was thinking about doing an episode on this, just trying to figure out which books came when, and, you know, Betty Andreessen, Betty Andreessen Luca, and then there's a book that, that she wrote that I found once that, without Fowler, and it's about how... She and her husband like were introduced to each other by the aliens back. Oh in yes, the yes, oh, totally, yeah, totally, sort of totally. Relationship. Yeah. yeah, which is like such a sort of Howard Menger sort of uh, sort of thing with this love, you know, beyond time that so, you know because I, I of the aliens. Be, I, <laughs> expand on that. So she thought the aliens basically hooked them up. Yeah, it's. I haven't read it. I, I just remember reading about it, and and you know, yeah, this sort of their their pre corporeal existence or something was oh, okay. uh, they, they they met and then they were destined uh destined to be together later um which is uh, again it's it's you know there's there's elements that are very sort of you know almost stereotypical contact e- or abductee stuff and then there's there's other elements that are 
that are more that are more unique and and more wide ranging that are that are really really interesting. Would what, I mean obviously your your show is focused primarily on contactees. Um, what percentage of those contactees do you think had at least one genuine experience? Oh, I, oh, oh, that's, that's difficult. I figured that's, that's difficult to say, um, because, because so many of them are just so prosaic, like, oh, the, the aliens, you know, met me in their spaceship and they taught, told me the same thing. Every other contactee was told. Right. Um, and then, you know, George Adamski, you know, he's got this, this long sort of history as a sort of spiritualist guy before the UFOs. So it's, it's very clearly sort of, you know, bolting the space age stuff to pre-existing things. Now, I, I still think, you know, if, if I have to, to pick one, um, probably, uh, Orfeo Angelucci, um, hmm. just because his experiences like with the strange, the strange pill in the drink and sort of the phantasmagorical sort of trip he went on when he, when he drank this thing, it, there's enough weirdness there that, that seems like it would have overlap with other sorts of experiences like that. Um, and while there's the the sort of social message and message of peace and everything like that, um, it, it's it's more this guy drank something and then strange things happened. Uh, drank something that the strange people gave him and and things <laughs> happened. So I, I, I think um, I, it's one contactee <laughs> out of all of them. Um, I I mean they might have others might have had strange things happen to them or anomalous experiences, but. Um, they're the way they write about and talk about those experiences doesn't um, highlight true weirdness in a lot of cases. It's mm, yeah, yeah. very like I got on board a nuts and bolts flying saucer sorts of things. And Angelucci's was a little, a little different, uh, a little different from that. Okay. And uh, Orfeo Angelucci was featured in, I'm, I'm not sure if it's all the publications, but because it's been published in different formats, but the uh, Carl Jung's book on flying saucers. Really? Uh, yeah. That, that, yes. That, that, that's in, the, right. in the appendix, there's a big long thing where he he waxes. He's t- oh boy. It's a tough read. Wow. He he's a dense writer, but um, he writes about Orfeo Angelucci in his case and all the 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 mystical and archetypal elements within that case. Oh, and then also, you were talking about the staged relationship or orchestrated relationship that Betty had. Yeah, if, as I recall, um, it was like, you know, Bob Luca, her husband, her future husband-to-be just like arrived in the city. He didn't know why he arrived in the spot. And there was something about this, well, like how he ended up in the city and how he ended up moving there was, you know, just filled with coincidences. And then he ends up meeting her. And, um, but that orchestrated relationship element is all over the the people I'm talking with, and I'm talking mostly with people who have UFO and novel experiences. Right, like everyone's got a got a like, and some they often don't talk about those publicly. That's where you get them at the bar at the UFO conference, and wow, these stories just pour out of people. Yeah, and I, and I've got that in my own life, so I mean, I get that. That's why I was curious. Um, yeah. Oh, and then let me one more thing. I just I looked this up while we were while you were talking there. Um, I did a blog post ages ago. There was a book that came out in 1985. It was a picture book called In Advance of the Landing, and it was oh uh, yes, I've uh, got the, it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so Betty Andreessen's kitchen is in it. Oh, in that yes. Book. Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So there I, I are, haven't looked the, at it in a while. But, okay. So um, just just there are seven owls 
like in her set four, excuse me, four owls in in her kitchen, like little owl pictures and owl figurines and stuff like that, which which doesn't mean anything. But I was I was I, it was it's worth a blog post. I'll leave it at that. Um, my, my house. And there's no owls, pretty much no owls in her case, except for in Raymond Fowler's last name. So. My my uh my whole house was surrounded by uh, I think we counted seven hooting owls. I get I get owls almost every night where I am here, out the window. We usually don't have that many. Seven is a lot, yeah. Um, so of course there was the whole thing. I think it was in June with the UFO hearings. Yes, yes, um, yeah, and then eventually a report was yeah. released. Um. But uh, but yeah, the hearings were I don't know it, it it's it's kind of like we said we said earlier it, it's nothing really jumped out as oh my gosh this is this is really paradigm shifting stuff right yeah, yeah. um it, it, it's you know yeah there's weird things in the sky the military's paying attention to it um, some people who used to be part of this project supposedly have now left that position and are very cleverly cashing in on having possibly been involved with these things. Um, th- th- this is, I don't know. I don't want to say it's not news, but it's, it's not, it's not interesting news to me, but I'm really jaded about government lights in the sky sure, projects. Sure. So there's uh, yeah, yeah. when, um, you know, I watched the lead up to this and everyone on UFO Twitter, like freaking out, like, it's any day now we're going to get this, you know, uh, disclosure, disclosure. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're not. And then of course this <laughs> happened and it's like, so they basically told you what you already knew. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this it, is the it, thing. I don't, I don't know why people feel they need the government stamp of approval on their beliefs. You know, it's I like, yeah, I don't know why people would trust the government that supposedly has been running a UFO cover up for 70 years. <laughs> right. I mean, well, you believe them because they're telling you what you want to hear. Oh, yeah. that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, a bunch of marks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, um, I, I was, what was I? Um, I, my re- most recent saucer life episode, I finally, um, did an episode on, uh, Bill Moore's speech at the 1989 MUFON oh. symposium oh. where he, he says, uh, this is what happened with this Paul Benowitz guy. And I was approached and asked if I would, you know, inform the air force about what Paul was doing with the information they were feeding him. And I slowly watched this man lose his mind. Right. Um, but uh, it's okay because I was doing it to get access to, to things. And, and it's, and it's, it's just, you know, this is not new. We've got a long history of, of elements of the government, you know, disinforming and manipulating the UFO, uh, the UFO field for, for a variety of reasons, some known, like, you know, the weapons testing that was going on at Kirtland, um, wanting to sort of deflect from that, but also unknown reasons or, or reasons we can speculate about, such as, you know, just, you know, why not just screw with the UFO people a little bit and, and keep them chasing their tails so they don't notice something we don't want them to notice down the road. Um, yeah. Long history of this, but uh, but there's still you know that that desire to to have some some element of authority sort of sort of bless your belief system, um, and uh, and and people who want to cause trouble will be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just the con- uh, concept of why we give authority to certain people in certain ways always mystifies me. Yeah. But um, what you were going to say, saying Mike, I, I was just going to say that the people, the there's some the UFO crowd. I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but 
but they that crew is primed to believe anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they have got their their. Well, the, if it's the, on YouTube, it's true. Basically, the new people, you know, so. the new people yes. getting into it. Well, there's some. Yes, there's 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 some some hardworking, thoughtful people who are have a level of discernment. But um, it feels like sometimes it feels like those people are rare, especially if you you know look around on places like YouTube and Twitter and things. Well, you know, come on, uh, uh, what you call it from uh, Blink One Eighty Two? Flat out said everything on YouTube is real. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to me, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, Tom DeLong. Tom DeLong, yeah, when he was yeah. on Joe Rogan, because he couldn't find the video he wanted to show them. He's like, it doesn't matter. We'll show you this one, which was obviously fake. And he's like, no, all of this stuff is real. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, oh, the, oh, the humanity. <laughs> yeah, you, you hesitate to throw around the phrase "useful idiot," but you know, uh, it, it, it just. He seems like an like an like a guy who's got an earnest, genuine interest in this subject. Absolutely. Who who is just shoved in front of cameras and allowed to say things like that. Right. You know, and you know, it, it's you know, nothing against him personally. I mean he's 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 probably made some sort of payday on it or lost a whole bunch of his own money um on some of these deals. I'm not sure which is which, but uh yeah, it, it's 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 been an interesting thing ever since the whole to the stars thing was announced gosh that was how long ago was that that was that that coincided almost exactly with the 2017 new york times article yeah okay yeah so wow, it was that, that long ago riddle me this yeah it was i was gonna say it's got to be five years ago um so yeah which would be that would have been no like i think i think their press conference was in october and then the new york times article was December. in november was yeah it, was it november okay and it, it might have been december year. but it was right around there there was there was also an article um, back in 2017 and early in the spring written by um, Ralph Blumenthal, where he interviewed Cheryl Costa from, uh, she was living in Syracuse still. I think she's moved to like North Carolina or something, but, but it was an article about her book. Uh, her and her partner wrote a book, which was like statistics by state. Yeah. Sightings. Yeah. Something like that. And that one is, is, is nothing but charts. It's data, data, data. And there's not a speck of charm in that book at all. And <laughs> so, and she's, and then they're both very aware of it. They did that on purpose. So it's it good for like, reference, but yeah. not, nothing to sit down in front of the fire with on a yeah. winter night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something else about the two to stars thing. I, I can't believe it's five years ago. And, and look yeah. at all the promises they made. None of which manifested into anything. Oh, they were they were going to do a GoFundMe for a for a like a a uh, alternate reality time warp propulsion system. Right. I can't. I'm do, I'm I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> using <laughs> vocabulary. Like but I'm I'm. That's pretty close. That's pretty uh, close. Yes, one of those things. <laughs> yeah, so, like, basically, like, yeah, you know, like McDonnell Douglas and like all the you know the black ops and skunk works can't figure this stuff out. So we're just going to do a, uh, you know, GoFundMe thing, and we're going to make this happen. Well, a lot of people got paid. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, 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 I will never begrudge somebody a payday. I, I, I never. Um, <laughs> if they're able to to make money off the UFO people, God bless you. That's that's wonderful. That's 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 the heritage of ufology is to <laughs> somehow make money off people who are interested in flying saucers. What's, that what? that's. What's that's the, what we do. What's the clip you? That's what I'm attempting from? to do. It's, it's, yeah. it's is it, it's is it Jane Pauley's clip? Yeah, yeah. U, uh, UFO might as well stand for unidentified or un, unprecedented financial it's opportunity. A, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> from 1990s. Uh, what was the time and again? It was a NBC magazine 
news show called Time and Again, and there was a 1997 episode about UFOs that was hosted by by Jane Pauley, and and that little sound clip is just gold. Wonderful, yeah, it's gold. Well, I know people who've written UFO books, and I've written a few myself. And let me tell you, like like me, Whitley Strieber had a bestseller, you know, 35 years ago, and not many people are paying the rent off their UFO books. And Ed, Ed Walters did okay with the uh, Gulf Breeze stuff, if you believe the claim of the six-figure advance, which. I've had some people who know publishing say that is extremely unlikely. I Um, I know enough to say eek. Yeah. Yeah. um, And uh, it was, I've always seen like publishers weekly reported a six figure advance, but nobody's ever like said which issue of publishers weekly. (laughs) So I'm, I, that's maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a a Patreon bonus episode where I try to figure out how much Ed Walters got paid for the, uh, the Gulf breeze incident. But uh, let let me ask you guys this. If Whitley Strieber wasn't Whitley Strieber, would Communion have gone over like it did? No. Okay. It's a beautifully written book. Wow, is it a powerful book? Oh, yeah. No, it doubt, totally yeah. is. But yeah. I, th- I think it's the fact that it was Whitley Strieber that wrote it that yeah. got it the limelight. He, he, had, he had doors that he could open into publishing that allowed that book to get the exposure that a some random guy in a cabin having the exact same experience writing the exact same book would have published it through some new age publisher. Right. And it would be some weird curio now that we're all gushing over because of how amazing this book is, (laughs) but it wouldn't have gotten on the shelves like communion did. Yeah. And he had already written, um, you know, war day and yeah, uh, the, the, the movies, uh, Wolfen and, and, um, it's the vampire one with, David Bowie. Oh, um, shoot. I don't remember the name of it. I'll think of it. The Hunger. Oh, yeah. Hunger, yes. Yeah. Um, and Catherine Deneuve, yeah. So, August 13th, the supposed Calvine UFO photo was released. Oh, yes. Oh, I don't know anything about this. I'm going to look this up. What, what? is it? The Cal- C-A-L-V-I-N-E. How did you miss this one, Mike? Come on, this, this was big news. This photo was supposedly, what, hidden away all this Yeah, time? for like 30-some years, um, like back in the 90s. And then it was was revealed. And uh, I, I, I think I remember there was some talk. Uh, what was the um, the top secret aircraft that it might oh, – um, The Aurora. Aurora, the, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, oh. that it might be a photo of the Aurora. And it, it's an amazing photo. It is – it is really, really, um, really impressive. It's from like 1990 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but the um, I, 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 when I was reviewing for the episode, I I looked it up and I guess uh, the original photo and the names of the witnesses um, have uh, are, are continued. They're, they're sealed until 2076. Because really? of privacy concerns, uh, according to the the well, it's the Daily Mail. So um, in the UK, so yeah, so there's like a, a digital picture that's been released, but uh, the Ministry of Defense is is like, nope, you, we don't want to tell you who the witnesses are. They're they're two young chefs in Scotland who uh, who saw it in August of 1990, sort of diamond shaped, a hundred feet long, hovering above them. Um, the Royal Air Force launched fighters to um, to uh, to sort of inter- they saw jets going after it, um, but uh, it's um, interesting. They took the, they took pictures and they took them to a newspaper, and the newspaper sent them to the Ministry of Defense, and then the whole thing sort of went silent. So it, it's 
I don't know. Pretty suspicious that these uh, these, these folks took a picture of something they weren't supposed to take a picture of. Um, maybe not aliens, but certainly something that they shouldn't have taken a picture of. And Nick Pope had seen the original. And there were a few. There wasn't just one, right? Right, right. And Nick Pope had seen it, and he refused to verify whether the photo that was released was the photo he saw. Oh, huh. that, oh that Nick Pope. That yeah. Nick Pope. He's sneaky, yeah. Because he kind of kind of just worked around it, like, oh, could be, you know. Yeah, yeah. And Which, I, um, I just looked up the picture. I did actually remember seeing that, yeah, and and yeah. Um, it didn't like whatever. I didn't I didn't get too excited about that one. There, there so. was a Reddit thread where someone took a picture at the same location on a clear day and said, "What you're seeing on the mountaintops peeking through the fog," and they like laid the two photos together so you could see. And I'm like, well, if that's the same location, it very well could be. Huh. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's well. So it's, it's took place in Scotland on a sunny day. So I'm already suspicious. <laughs> well, no, the, the the day the photo was taken was not a sunny day. That's the thing. I'm but, joking. I was making. Uh, a joke. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but they they took a picture where you could see the mountains in the background, and they're like, so cover this with fr- you know fog, and you just have that mountaintop peeking out. And a plane in the foreground. I, I can I can see how that that could be the case. Yeah, uh, I don't know. If, I don't. Yeah, it's it's a maybe. There's no way to know for sure. Uh, but I, w- I that was that was a pretty interesting catch on their part. Then why would that? Why would it be so secretive? Then maybe it's not the actual photo. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we're being told it's the actual photo, but like I said, the only person who had any uh, who had seen it was Nick Pope, and he didn't verify. Okay. So, yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't know what to make of it. I'm not, I mean, regardless, it's just a picture. So it does, it's not going to give us any answers like any of this stuff. Like this stuff is interesting if you catch it on video or if you get pictures of it, but it doesn't actually tell us what we're actually, what we're really seeing. Right. Right. Yeah. Th- I mean, they're, they're telling us this is the picture they took, but we don't know that, right. you know, because nobody's seen the original. So it could be a picture that's, that's intentionally made to look like, something very convincing but that could be disproven also to sow more more confusion yep absolutely absolutely um that was gonna lead me on to something else so uh, uh, one of the things that happened this year is congress just defined what a ufo is do they call it a ufo or is it a uip no in this press conference they called it a ufo okay and, I, and i'm trying I'm against to- i'm against the other acronym i'm just oh yeah i think well, we all well, are what gets me is that they've changed what UAP means now. Have they? Yeah, it, it, I always thought it was unidentified or um, yeah, unidentified aerial phenomenon. And the NASA press releases um, about their study group on UAPs uh, were all updated in late December to reflect the expanded definition of UAP, which is unidentified anomalous phenomenon. So I guess it doesn't even have to be in the sky, right? If it's just an unidentified <laughs> anomalous phenomenon, it could be a sea monster or a time warp in a volcano or, or, or bizarre. I don't know. But uh, yeah, they, um, they updated it to, uh, in, to reflect an expanded terminology um, for uh, UAP. Yeah. Now, unidentified anomalous phenomenon. So this says, so the article here about Congress says that, uh, as first reported by researcher Douglas Johnson, a draft bill approved unanimously by the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence rebrands UFOs as unidentified aerospace undersea phenomena. Oh, Jesus. 
<laughs> oh, the, the revised definition of UFO also includes transmedium objects, which, according to lawmakers, transition between space and the atmosphere or between the atmosphere and bodies of water. Huh. Interesting. What, what, yeah. what was wrong with USO for right? an unidentified submerged object? What if they come out of and they unsubmerge? Like what well, if they fly out? Then they well, then you have to like the, get a different a, form to fill then out. They're a, yeah. Then they're a UFO. Yeah. A, right? re- so. a report accompanying the legislation notes that transmedium threats to United States national security are expanding exponentially. The threats are expanding exponentially. Most strikingly, Congress's new definition of UFO UFO excludes man-made objects. How would you know? Exactly. (laughs) Then you would know. Then it's not. Then the unidentified part. If it's man-made, you would say, "Oh, that's a man-made thing." So yes, this is this is yeah. This is their the the um. There's like that joke about the um. You know, the guy is in the street under the street lamp, you know, looking for looking around. He's looking under the street lamp and his neighbor comes over and says, hey, what's what is going on? He said, oh, I lost my keys. He said, where did you lose them? And the guy points like over there in the bushes. And he said, well, what are you doing under the street lamp? And it's like, oh, it's just much easier to look here. (laughs) That's beautiful. Yeah, so that's that's where like you know let's get a bunch of people in a room and there's this amazing stuff about you know people with psychic abilities and orchestrated relationships and 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 crazy paranormal high strangeness and and then they're they're they a bunch of I'm gonna say it a bunch of men are sitting around a room, um, you know trying to trying to haggle over an acronym yeah so so. And there's this wealth of information that they're they're oblivious to. This is kind of interesting. It says, Congress, in short, is forcing the government to focus on objects that are not man-made. Imagine that the new UFO office identifies a highly advanced drone flying in sensitive airspace. Under the draft legislation, regardless of the drone's origin, be it Chinese, Russian, or otherwise, the UFO office must immediately stop investigating it and hand the case over to another government entity. If I was China or Russia or some like, I would just make my my advanced drone look like a flying saucer, and then I'd be, you know, then it'd never make it to the reports that you know, if they, if given that logic. Well, I'm I'm wondering if the whole point of this is to not disclose our own stuff unless we want it to be reported. Yeah, you know yeah, they, that, that, that that makes sense. You know that way they say, oh, we found this, and they go, shh, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Whereas other stuff they might want them to report about, so they'll let them report. Or in some cases, they probably just don't know what it is. I mean, it's not like there aren't unidentified things in, in the sky. There always have been. Yeah. I mean, that that's yep. cross-culture throughout time. That's long before drones. Exactly. We, it's we, just, we love, uh, the archives are full of these things going back, you know, all throughout recorded history. I mean, that's like the whole book that Valet wrote there. Uh, Valet and, uh, oh, what's his name? Importance in the sky. I know he just wrote a second book about um, Chris Albeck. Chris Albeck, yes. Yeah. He um and they they only took reports from before what eighteen hundred or something like that. Well, yes, exactly. Yeah, and the book's like you know like you got to have a strong coffee table to set the book up. You know? <laughs> exactly, because I mean that way you know it's not man made. Yeah. I mean unless we're yeah. time traveling, and then that's interesting too. Yeah. Ooh, that's yeah. Time. I I see. I like I like the idea of time travel coming into this at some point. I, I'm not sure where or how, but I want to think there's a time travel angle. Well, somewhere. they could very well just be outside of time. Yeah, yeah. It would. Well, it's it would, very commonly reported that you know there's all kinds of time anomalies that take place and right. you know, enter a timeless realm, and you know you you 
there's a report of a, this is just one of many sort of reports like this one has got a nice punchline to it in a way where a boy is like sneaks off and tries to smoke a cigarette. He's a teenager and he's at like this camping thing, like the Boy Scout thing. He sneaks off into the woods to smoke a cigarette and a flying saucer lands and he gets on board the flying saucer and has what amounts to like two hours of of experiences and then and then he's like returned to the spot and he's holding the cigarette still and the cigarette hasn't burned down at all right so there's some time anomaly that takes place so he was missing two hours of time but the cigarette was still hadn't burned to match the the time that he was missing so the the other thing uh in this whole uh governmental type of thing was the eric davis meeting with adam wilson that memo came out well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm yeah, gonna abstain I, for this. For I, I don't know. <laughs> what are the when the shark thing? The shark people they say I'm out. You know. <laughs> so you guys, you just don't know that much about this. I, no, I, I, no. I'm the last person to ask about that one. Uh, is, is this is this the so-called Wilson memo? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I've heard about the Wilson memo, but I, I haven't. Um, I, I'm not complete. I, I just put it together. I, I've always heard, just heard it as the Wilson memo. Um, right, right. So I just sort of put it together in my head. Um, I don't know much about it. Just that there's people who are like, it's the smoking gun and other people yeah. are like, no. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, I'm trying to pull up. thought I had it here. Uh, actually saved. Yeah. Document cloud. There we go. Yeah, Rich Dolan and uh, James Indoli would be the, the people to talk with about this one. So it's it's basically just a supposed conversation that had uh, these two had who talk about this stuff being real. You know, um, I'm trying to find it's a few pages long, fifteen pages long. Okay. Uh, so off the top of my head, uh, I would be willing to assist you and Hal with your ongoing research into UFO crash retrievals and entities within the government or outside of it that are involved in that business with the following caveats. First, there must be absolutely no mention or association with my name with your work and your investigation. I have absolutely nothing to gain from such an association at this time and probably must much to lose. Second, I would charge you. Uh, for only the actual time I spend putting together the materials, references, or contact lists for you to pursue, I expect that time to be minimal, minimal since the information uh, would not take long to put together. Uh, third, I would like I would provide you with a classified from a national security perspective. What I provide you would be classified for a national security. I, I have held the top secret clearance with access to special compartmentalized information and other special clearances for other programs. I currently do not work in the classified realm. Nor do I hold those clearances. Um, I think I think the retrieved craft issue is at the heart of the Wilson memo. Yeah, but, I, but that's but that's just from like listening to a podcast last year or something. So, so he says I can provide the following particulars on a special team involved as a secondary mission with recovering crashed craft, including but not limited to the previously classified F one seventeen stealth fighter. This team or its successors, its parents, its parent sponsoring entity, and its two key officers may provide some information you seek. The name and location of senior officers who I believe had firsthand knowledge of U.S. government alien reproduction reproduction vehicles at Area 51 and associated locations. The name and current location of a retired senior flank flag rank officer who I believe was directly involved in government interaction with a significant UFO event on the East Coast of the U.S., and I believe has, by virtue of his firm, former leadership position, high military rank, 
the control of significant military forces, and direct knowledge of USG involvement in the business. And finally, a list of civilian government contractors who, by virtue of their past and currently high classified work, current capabilities, clearances, specialized personnel, and geographic areas of concern, most likely have current involvement in knowledge of USG work and alien-derived technology, crashes, landing, and associated events. Interesting. Interesting if true, yes. <laughs> Huge well, if true. I, I don't even know if the the, uh, the memo is necessarily false, but the, the information given to him may not be right. I mean, it sounds like disinfo. It does. It does. Um, I found it while, while you're looking at it. I, I found it. It's like there's references to, to Roswell and yeah. Stephen Greer and Ed Mitchell. And and it's it's like a sort of, you know, Google UFOs in, in the late 90s and early 2000s. And yeah, plug the terms into an official sounding memo. Yeah. Except you couldn't Google then, could you? Could you Google in the? You could. You could Alta Vista. Okay. Then. <laughs> in in two thousand two, yeah, you could. You could ask Jeeves. You could. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yahoo's search engine was pretty good. Um, yeah. Or you could just go to a library and Ooh. look down the shelf, okay. or go to the Coast to Coast website and see what they were up to. Yeah, this is very much, very much early disclosure project feel to it. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, it seems like it's just the same stuff recycled, really. Yeah. Um, and it didn't really go anywhere. I mean, it made a splash when it was released, and then I really haven't had it, heard anyone talking about it since. Well, what are you going to do with it? I mean, yeah. beyond saying, here it is, and then it's like, okay, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> and and like, like everything else, as far as official proclamations about uh, about UFO truth, right? Once, um, it, what, what I think we have to actually have a craft land on the White House lawn and a little gray guy come out and give a speech, and even that would be like, well, it was an AI deep fake, right? You know, so um, I, I don't think. Well, here's the thing. I just had this thought. What would be fascinating is if disclosure happened and everybody was like, whatever. <laughs> it's like half the people don't care. Half the people don't trust the government. So I mean, isn't that kind of what happened when the New York Times article came out? Yeah. 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 It's like, here it is. It's like, okay, well, I still got to pay my mortgage. Right. So, yeah. Um, UFOs are fascinating because of the experiences UFO experiencers have and the stories they tell. And, And I, nothing, it's been another year. Nothing has dissuaded me from that. And the thing is, to me, that the phenomena mostly seems to have a very personal effect on people. Yeah. It's it's not made for government uh, connection. It's made for the individual experience. There do seem to be some you know bigger flaps of UFO activity, like when they, they flew over the White House or like the Mexico City stuff in the 90s, where you had large numbers of UFOs uh, that don't seem to have prosaic explanations, but it doesn't really tell us anything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. This is when you have to talk to the people who have, you know, interacted with the craft, with yeah. the craft occupants, and 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 even and then that gets totally confusing. It turns it very quickly can turn morph into religion. It can morph into folklore. It can morph yeah. into, to you know, is it self confabulation? Is you know? So it's yeah. This is it's a it's that's very difficult to research. Oh, there was a document. I think it came out last year. And one of those documents, there was like some 20 page, 15 page document. And, and, uh, there was, it was mostly just, you know, governmental babble, 
But within that, there was a line, something to the effect of, um, and we do recognize oddities with pregnancies. That was like right oh. in that. like didn't have anything to do with things in the sky. That is something that shows up in the in the UFO abduction lore a lot is women who tell of, you know, odd pregnancies. Yeah. So. And um, so that was that was a curious little thing, whether that snuck through or leaked through or whether that was put there on purpose. It's just, you know, it's one phrase. I think that was all it was, was less than a sentence where it was a list of here's these things we've noticed. And one of them was, you know, uh, odd issues with pregnancies. I, I can't remember how it was phrased. But at, at the same time, that's not like unknown. Like that that's not uh, well, that's esoteric in, that's been by in, any means. That's been in every book since 1996 or something right. like that. Right. Yeah, so, I so. mean, it would be easy enough for them to just throw that in there to, to kind of like, you know, here, here's the carrot. Follow the carrot. Exactly. Precisely. Um, now, Gary Nolan came out about the, uh, the meta materials saying that they were unusual in the fact that they were, if I'm remembering right, they were something that we could make, but we would have no reason to make. Well, who would have no reason to make? Us. You know why like, everybody like has a reason to make everything? <laughs> that is fair. It, it just seems like a failure of imagination. Well, why would we make this? Well, why would we make, we make I don't know, a wheel or fire? You know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a guy talking about materials. That's great. Isn't he a biologist? I don't know. I don't actually I, know that I, much about I, him. I, I think he is. I, I don't think he's a materials scientist. Um, but he seems to be one of these people who's comfortable – giving an opinion on every, yeah, he's an immunologist. Okay. So that's who I go to for all my material science stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, he, uh, I don't know, his personal opinion. He seems to really like to say things with, and get into slap fights on Twitter. So. Oh, he really? Oh, he's, he's annoying, but um, <laughs> that's just a personal opinion. But uh, yeah, so I've probably burned my bridges with UFO Twitter. Uh, not that exactly. I ever that's, interact that's with UFO. That's good. Yeah, that's good to do. Yeah, it's burn that awful. Bridge. Yeah. It's awful. Twitter's bad enough, but UFO Twitter's the worst. I, I've it, never gone there at all. People have warned ages these, ago. So. These people are credulous in a bad way. Not in a wide-eyed wonder sort of way, but in a please tell me things I want to hear sort of way. Yeah, I mean, Gary's stuff. Like, I don't know that much about Gary. Um but it looks like they re, they they uh, analyze people who had weird experiences. But it also seems to be tied in with the the ultrasound stuff, the the uh, Havana effect or yeah. Havana phenomenon, yeah. or whatever they're calling it. Yeah, the Havana syndrome. Excuse me. And, in, um, in, infrasound sort of sort of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah, microwaves or something like that. Yeah. So he's, I think they were researching uh, sections of people's brains, and I think if I remember this correctly. They had MRIs of people who claimed to have had near, uh, like, experiences in close proximity to UFOs, and there was yes. some part of the brain that changed size that was unusual. So it says, uh, the question is on Vice, it said, did the people who claim that they have an encounter, especially the pilots, describe any perceivable decrease in neurological capacity? And he said, of the hundred or so patients that we looked at, about a quarter of them died from their injuries, the majority of these patients had symptomology that's basically identical to what we now call Havana syndrome. We think amongst this bucket list of cases, we had the first Havana syndrome patients. Once this turned into a national security problem with the Havana syndrome, I was locked out of all access to the files because now it's a serious potential international incident if they ever figured out who's been doing it. 
Um, that still left individuals who had seen UAPs. They ha- didn't have Havana syndrome. They had a smorgasbord of other symptoms. Uh, then he gets into Skinwalker Ranch. Mm. Um, yeah, Skinwalker Ranch has turned into like what amounts to Roswell. It's like, yeah, no, it's, it's horrible. It's turned into mythology rather than you know once once there's a reality TV show or three or whatever there has been. Yeah, in um, yeah I kind of like kind of my my interest turn elsewhere. Yeah, he says, uh, the common thing about all the materials that I've looked at so far, is there's about a dozen, is that almost none of them are uniform. There are all these hodgepodge mixtures. Each individual case will be com- composed of a similar set of elements, but they'll be uh, in homogeneous. Homo- oh, my God. In homogeneous. I'm saying it wrong. I can't. Now my brain won't Homogeneous? Yeah. Uh, one of the materials from the so-called Ubatuba event, a UAP event in Brazil, oh, has yeah. extraordinarily altered isotope ratios of magnesium. It was interesting because another piece from the same event was analyzed in the same instrument at the same time. Uh, this is extraordinary sensitive intru- instrument called a nanosims. It had perfectly correct isotope ratios for what you would expect for magnesium found anywhere on Earth. Meanwhile, the other one was just way off, like 30% off the ratios. The problem is there's no good reason humans uh, for humans to have altered the isotope ratios of a simple metal like magnesium. There's no different properties of the different isotopes that anybody, at least in any of the literature that is public, of the hundreds of thousands of papers published, that says this is why you would do that. That's what he's talking about. So yeah. it's not okay. that they're not earthly things. You know, it's just magnesium. It's just been altered in a way that there doesn't seem to be any any point to have altered it like that. I maintain my conviction that an immunologist is not the person <laughs> who has the most credibility in, in these areas. Now, that, that's now the brain changes. I mean, he's looking at pilots, and, right? I mean, you look at, De- at Kenneth Ring's work where he he compared the near death experience and the and the UFO experiences, and he found that these people seem to end up smarter. They seem to end up with a more open view of things. They didn't seem to have damage from their encounters. So with pilots, you got to wonder, are they just being tested on? Like, are they approaching something that's highly radioactive or or emanates some, you know, form of of microwave or something like that, that would, that would be harmful to their brain essentially. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's like the, the case in Texas there. Um, oh, the cash landrum cash landrum, you know, oh, I mean, yeah. where they, yeah. where the people reported basically being, uh, what amounts to radiation sickness. And, right. And, and the, the one thing I think I've asked for a call that UFO was very loud and burned the, the ground. Right. Um, right. that doesn't sound like I've, I've read a lot of UFO reports, but you don't hear many when they talk about everything's quiet and nobody yeah. talks about them being yeah. loud. Yeah, yeah. So that that tells me. I mean, I, I it's tough to you read a report and you you know it, it's yeah I can't make a distinction, but that's an outlier. There's sure are many loud UFOs. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that seems like it was probably some kind of test that got Correct, out, yeah. out of control and it affected these people, and they're not going to admit to it. For numerous, they would, they would want to turn it into a UFO story. They would want to like you know uh, what do you call it like um, muddy the waters with UFO. Yeah, yeah. Type and I think false leads, yeah, I false. Think, you know, and I think it was Rick Nedford, Rick Nedford, Nick Redford, Rick, Rick, Rick Nedford, <laughs> uh, who pointed out He's that incredibly this, popular that this looked a lot like uh, the craft that was described at uh, in the UK. Oh man, why are names escaping me tonight? 
uh, the big case in the UK with the military Rendlesham. base. Oh, yeah, Rendlesham. That happened like a day or two earlier. Oh, really? Was that that was that close in time? Yeah. That been, oh, yeah. yeah. It, it would have like, been right around like Christmas time of 1985 yeah, or something. 80. 80. I think. Yeah. 88. Oh, okay. So yeah, they were, it was like within like 48 hours. Yeah. yeah. So his, his thought was this was a test craft that they saw at, uh, you know, at Rendlesham and then they brought it back to a base in Texas and they were playing around with it and this, the whole cash landrum thing happened, but it was all the same object. Okay. Which is interesting because it is a similar description and it is fairly close together in time. Yeah, I, I've always thought that that sort of overlap between Cash Landrum and Rendlesham was was it, it, a little too close to be coincidental. I, I'd never heard the, the connection until just now. So, well, you got to look up that Rick Nedfern guy. Okay, <laughs> he's huge. <laughs> um, and I don't even know what book he wrote about it in. I just remember hearing him talk about it and was like, "Oh, that's interesting." He wrote a book about Rendlesham, and Maybe basically, I, if I remember correctly, he wrote a, recently a book about Rendlesham and and said it was a government disinformation plan or yeah. or like a effort. So, and you know, there was a point where I thought that was that would have been one of the best UFO cases out there, and now I look at it and go, "There's, you can't even decipher what's going on anymore." And it's it's turned into Skinwalker Ranch essentially, or or Roswell. Yeah, it's gotten so muddied with popular culture, and yeah, it's now it's. 40 years later, yeah. And it gets to the point with this stuff where you don't know what to believe. Like, I, yeah. I, I can talk to an individual. That's one thing. If someone, an individual has an experience and you talk to them, okay. But, like, when it gets out there, it's like, you know, what's what's disinfo? What's being manipulated? What's, you know, it's so hard. Exactly. Because the Skinwalker Ranch, I mean, that book, like, blew my mind. I think that happened to a lot of people when they read it. And then, you know, it kind of, like, nothing happened with it for a while. And then suddenly it's huge. Yeah, they did the documentary, the TV series, and all that stuff, and it's just kind of like now I don't I don't know what to believe. Was the stuff in the book real? Yeah, and then there was you know some I can't remember exactly how many years ago, just a few years ago, some controversy about you know sort of the case as well that that came out and right that they were threw, actually threw some things into question. You yeah, know? that they were experimenting on the people there having the experiences. Right. Yeah. So it's just like, great, wonderful. Now we don't, you know, like if you're trying to collate this data in your mind, you have so many things like, it's like, oh, it makes sense if that's true. But if it's not true, then that doesn't make sense. You know, like you don't know what to throw out anymore. Yeah. Larry Warren proved to be a, a unreliable witness, yeah. very vol volatile character. And then um, what was his name? Charles Halt. There's some quote that was in um, the Peter Robbins book that where he basically said that um, – the witnesses were treated harshly. Yeah. Right. So these people showed up, interrogators showed up at, if I'm remembering this correctly, showed up at the Rendlesham base and uh, interviewed or debriefed or whatever, interrogated the folks. And it sounds like they were subjected to drugs and hypnosis. Yeah. So, yeah. Which then I, looks like a psyop. Exactly. Or so, yeah. So this is, it's. All right. We're going to take to the fact that it came back two nights in a row is a very odd detail, too. Yeah, it doesn't that, show up often in UFO yes. reports. I mean, that's yes. a good point. I never thought about that. That's a really good point. Yeah, just that alone is an odd one. Like, well, that doesn't. I mean, I guess there's there's been a lot of UFO reports, but two nights in a row is a funny detail. Yeah. Huh. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. So, things you should know if you want to contact the show. Uh, the website is wheredotheroadgo.com. Everything is linked there. All our social media and such. 
and emails, you can email contact at wheretotheroadgo.com for general stuff. You can, uh, if you have stories, if you have stories you want to have us add to the listener's stories show in the future, stories at wheretotheroadgo.com. You can also physically mail me stuff at P.O. Box 444, Ovid, New York, 14521, and just make it out to Where Did the Road Go? And also, if you're into metal and other types of underground music and want to hear something really different and new every week, check out my music show, The Last Exit for the Lost, at www.thelastexit.org. And uh, recommendations. I'm flipping through all the podcasts I love here, and I know I've mentioned this one on the show, but probably not for a while. It's done. It was a three-season podcast called Mirrors. And it's a very original ghost tale. I don't know. Ghost doesn't even seem to quite uh, surmise it. It's creepy. It's weird. And it's really original. It's by Zoom Doom Stories. Jamie Killian, I think, is the girl who was uh, doing it. I can't remember for sure. Uh, I know I had talked to her at one point about coming on and doing an interview, but it never quite materialized. But uh, checking out her podcast, Mirrors is definitely worth the time if you like really creepy, weird stuff. And it's a finished podcast, so there's the beginning, middle, end, three seasons worth. Um, I think you'd like it if you like the stuff we talk about on this show. It's kind of a different take on this stuff. All right, and I guess the only other thing I could say is, hey, help us out with becoming a patron. It's only $3 a month, and you get extra stuff all month long. You can also donate on the website, or just leave us a good review on whatever you're listening to us on. All right, back to Mike and Aaron. All right, we're here with UFO History 2022 with Aaron Gullius and Mike Cleland. Um, now, Mike, you were talking about a conference that, uh, whatchamacallit had. I'm, I'm Rice University. I'll, so at Rice, I went there. So it was okay, at Rice University. Oh, it was in April cool. of the end of April of uh, of 2022, uh, the year in, the, the year we're focusing on, and uh, Rice University in Houston, Texas. And uh, Jeffrey Kripal is uh, has tenure there as a I think a professor of. Be careful now. I'm drawing a blank on it. I want to say religious studies. I think so. Um, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. And then so at the conference, so Rice University has now in there they have created an archive uh, through hard work from Jeffrey Kripal convincing what amounts to a very uh, conservative college to take on this outlying data. So they have uh, what would be all of I'm Whitley Strieber, the letters that Whitley Strieber received after communion. And then uh, the files, the paper files from Jacques Vallée, from, I guess we're talking 50 years of, of UFO research. And then uh, there was a few other folks. And, oh, um, and it sounds like they're working on, this is just it's a little bit of hearsay, it sounds like they're working on collecting all of uh, Dr. John Mack's files. And there were a few other folks in this mix. I'm drawing a complete blank on them now. But um, And I was there at the event. And it was it was a wonderful scene. I got to meet uh, Jacques Vallée. I got to eat breakfast with him and talk with him. And and uh, there were some folks from um, the early days of the remote viewing. So it wasn't just specifically UFO related stuff. So there was some UFO, excuse me, um, remote viewing related uh, speakers there. So um, Ed May and a fellow named um, Paul Smith from the early days of the Stanford research that took place. And um, Whitley Strieber spoke there. And uh, Diana Pasalka spoke. And I'm um, just trying to think of names you may recognize. There's a lot of names I did not recognize that spoke. Um, 
uh, Eric Wargo spoke. So it was a very academic conference, which was, I had never been to an academic conference and I've since talked to academics and I was kind of like, is this, what what was going on? Is this, and they're like, oh, that's what academic conferences are like. I'm like, okay, it was kind of, I was expecting it to be a UFO conference and, and, um, uh, uh, in UFO conferences, people have a lot of slides and they kind of stand on the stage and they walk around and in academic conferences, people stand at a podium and essentially read uh, their, their research. It was, it was a little Mm -hmm. bit. You know, I, w- I was, I, I, this is going to sound awful, but I, I, the, 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 the talks were wonderful, but I, I was kind of like, I kind of wanted to like, you know, come on people, live, live, live it up a little bit, you know, <laughs> entertain so, me more, lay your hair down. Yeah. Basically entertain me. Yeah. So, but which I didn't say, which, but it was so, and then, um, yeah. And so it was, so the, the point of the conference, I want to be cautious to is Jeff Kripal in his work. Um, he put out a book just recently called the Superhumanities, And he is arguing that the, the, this, this line of research, whether it be UFOs or psi abilities or, 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 or high strangeness, these things need to be studied. And there is, there are people out there studying the, these things. They are not necessarily supported by the academic culture, and he's he's trying to change that. And that was the point of this conference. Oh, okay. I like Kripal. I like Kripal. Oh, a lot. amazing guy! Amazing guy. Yeah. So I've only, I've only had him on once, but uh, I think it was a two-parter actually. But yeah, I, I like his work. I like the way he approaches this stuff. Uh, he's intellectually exactly. honest about it. Yeah, and I'll tell you the so typical of these things. What where the where the where the fun was, or where the dynamism was, was just hanging out with people afterwards and getting to hear their stories and meeting folks and their firsthand personal experiences. So that was that was remarkable. Hmm. I didn't even know this happened. It was really, and so now I was there, and um, Rice University, the mascot for Rice University is an owl. So there are owls everywhere owl icons owl t-shirts owl flags owl there's like they're like they're <laughs> you know they're carved into the to the they you know they don't have gargoyles carved into their they have owls all over these ivy colored uh, buildings in this beautiful campus and so yeah it was it was uh like i i'm kind of jaded at this point and and plenty of people came up to me and say hey did you notice the owls here and i was like uh, yeah i did actually notice that yeah but um <laughs> and uh but yeah it was it was a really remarkable event now, you, you had also mentioned that uh, Barack and Michelle Obama are producing a documentary on Betty and Barney Hill. That's not quite right. Let me look this up, but, but it's close. You're like, I just, it's I their production up company. A couple pages. Or it's, there's, production so there's a production company. Now, I'll do the thing where I read aloud. And, okay. um, uh, Netflix is developing uh, a production from former U.S. President Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, and they have a production company called Higher Ground. And one of the things they are purportedly it's been greenlit and it seems like it's going to be on Netflix is a film called white mountain. And it, it's not a documentary. I think it will be a, um, it will be a recreation, like a, a recreation or it will be a narrative with actors. And so, uh, based on Betty and Barney Hill and their experiences. Now, what's interesting to me is Betty and Barney Hill. When did that happen? I want to say 1961. If only there was someone who knew about UFO history, I think. Uh, that, was, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so 1961. September of 1960. Okay. Sometime in the fall. Sometime okay, in the fall, so I so I'm going to just say this is so so Betty and Barney Hill, a biracial couple. Barney was black, Betty was white, and that matches Barack Obama, then Barry Satoro's parents, 
So, and that would he would have been born in 1961 in August. So the event took place right around his birth. I don't know what oh. that quite what that means, but that was a little curious thing. Like that. So that detail, the biracial parent. I don't think I don't. If, if my understanding, uh, Barney and Betty never had kids. So yeah, right. The uh, and of course the, the, at that point in time in our history, biracial couples were not accepted. Yeah, exactly. Even, yeah. even in like New England, where yeah. they where they were, it was still. Still tough, and they were um, they were active in the NAACP, I believe, uh, as well. So they were, you know, not just a biracial couple, but actively, you know, part of the civil rights movement. And and I think Ren Collier has said that he fully believes that was a was a, a psyop. Mm. There are people who argue that that was a psyop, and but there's issues where. Um, yeah, I would, I would, I'm wondering, cause I know people, uh, Betty continued to have, uh, UFO type events and in her life. And, and I, as I recall, she worked with, I mean, this is, I'm, this is, wow. I've got to be careful saying this cause I'm doing this from memory. I'm probably wrong, but she worked with, uh, Dr. Jacques Vallée and actually, um, was able to summon some sort of sighting, let's say. Mm. Uh, and that kind of goes beyond like, uh, if it was a, and then if it was a, a psyop, I, I don't know if that would 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 be the case. And then um Kathleen Martin was the is the niece of Betty and Barney Hill, or related, and and they and she has come out very vocally about her firsthand UFO contact experiences. So she she speaks openly about herself being a lifelong UFO abductee. Yeah. And so that follows the family line kind of thing. And um and the whisperings in the community is that 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 the there were more events than they than they spoke about publicly. I can't vouch for that, but that's what I've heard. Well, I mean, they could have had a legitimate sighting that was then uh, you know used against them in 1962. That would be or 61. That would be well, uh, maybe, but so oh, that would who's, be who's the guy who wrote the book? Oh, uh, Fuller. Uh, yeah, John Fuller. John yeah. Fuller wrote who, the the uninterrupted journey. Who and he also connected. wrote um, Incident at Exeter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he was also connected to the to the government. And I think if that, if I remember correctly, he was, he was, it, it's when you actually look at what he was doing, it's not as, as incendiary as it sounds. No. Yeah. And I don't remember. I just remember that being one of the things where they're like, well, this guy was, you know, was government. And so, I mean, and he's hypnotizing them. I think he was working with, he had, he had been working with war veterans Ah, okay. through the government to reduce stress. That was one of the things he does. I don't know if that's his government affiliation or not. So I can't really speak to that. Yeah. I need, um, I need to have Red on at some point to, to talk about why he thinks that's the case. And then um, I'm agnostic uh, on it. I don't know. And uh, Joe Montaldo, a researcher out of New Orleans, um, says that some elements certainly seem like real UFO contact case, and some elements seem like um, uh, disinfo. So yeah, disinfo. And so they were they so they had high strangeness, and they were visiting Montreal. So there was like high strangeness type synchronistic events that were taking place in Montreal before the actual contact experience, which you know synchronicities and high strangeness the government be orchestrating the, the oddities like that before the, 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 the abduction. I don't know if they were that sophisticated at that point. No, I wouldn't think so. Um, but so that's within, that's, that's within the lore. And that's, that's in um, the book that um, Kathleen Martin put out with uh, Stanton Friedman called, I think it was called abducted, wasn't it? Or, or captured, excuse me. Captured. Yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts, Aaron? 
I I'm like you. I'm I'm agnostic on it. I I think it could be an anomalous experience. I think it could be something sinister and psyopy. I can see how both could be potentially true. It's it's one of those where you know, you listen to the tapes and you, you listen to the things and it's just like absolutely something happened. I mean, ab- I mean, this is not an imaginary thing. This is not, you know, anything, something, this is not anything anybody made up because why right. would they do that? Um, but it, it, it's, it, it's, it's strange. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the strangest, I mean, it's one of the earliest abduction sort of things, but it's, it's one of those that you, you, you can't maybe because it's so, iconic you can't really see it straight you know um it's just everybody has their sort of their sort of angle on it even because everybody sort of knows about it knows some aspect of it the hypnosis the you know the nazi references that barney made you know he's a nazi um Oh, well, the, 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 the references for the Nazi thing was he said they were wearing caps like they there was a hovering flying saucer on the road and and the hypnotherapist says describe that who's looking out the windows and they said oh they're wearing they're like caps and he's described the caps and he goes um uh they're like like Nazi caps and that's yeah. the only reference to Nazis yeah okay but which, which is funny that they would wear caps but where this is where we need uh, Celia Edgar to come in and talk about the clothes so <laughs> um so Alta Dillard passed away. Which broke my heart. She was I I had wonderful conversations yeah. with her over the years. Yeah. And she was her her and uh oh what's his name? Chad. Chad, thank you. I'm giving up on names tonight. They're, they're just not I'll, I'm usually all. bad, but I'm, I'm proud of myself tonight. So. <laughs> uh um they did a three part show with me. Uh, because not only did they have a UFO experience, which I thought was probably the least interesting of the experiences. But they had a whole bunch of strange stuff happen to them, and it was very unique-sounding stuff. It wasn't uh, typical at all. There, there was tons of high strangeness mixed in there. Exactly, exactly. And and they, um, I did an interview. So so I spoke with, there was a chapter in my life, oh, my God, I was just on fire. And just if I wanted to talk to someone, I was going to find him. I was going to get him on the phone. I was going to talk to him. And so I talked to to Alta for, it felt like, I think we went for like a couple days. Like I would get like totally exhausted. And this is back when I had a landline that was a, 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 like a little cordless phone and the batteries died. So we had to start this. So we next day. So I think it was over a couple days. There was probably, I'm going to say seven hours of conversation and, and she probably had lots more, but it was, I was riveted and I was doing the podcast at the time. And I said, I can, the only way I can do this is to like do three episodes that are really long and, and bless you for, for doing exactly that. You did exactly what needed to happen. So, um, her story and Chad's story is remarkable. They also had a powerful, staged, synchronistic relationship. That's how Chad and Ultimate was in this this very strange set of circumstances. Um, and, and that's that. covered in a book. They put out a very small book. I know they were disappointed by it called Orbducted, which is, that's right. Which is, yeah. And, and that one is pretty cheap to get on Amazon and it's a, it's a, it's worth reading. It's well worth reading. And, and it's a, I would say it's more like a magazine length. It's less than a hundred pages. Yeah. They wanted to cover all their experiences, but I, uh, they told me the publisher just wanted the main experience. And that yeah. disappointed me because the main experience, like I said, wasn't really the highlight for me. It was also it was all the high strangeness. 
Exactly. Yes. So there was a, there was a, they, like one, here's like a throwaway little detail that I remember, which is, so they, uh, they had like a summer house or excuse me, like a house, a cabin out on the woods and they had a neighbor. And so it wasn't their main house in, or their home. And I think they were staying with someone or something. And, it, and there was a, there was another person that was part of this whole thing that was part of that main event. I can't remember her name right now. And I think she's a pseudonym in the book. Yeah. Um. So I want to be careful not to give the actual name. Um. But all those three people were at the house and there was a great big giant triangle event that took place with all kinds of missing time and beings and, and, and just an intense set of UFO things. So they get up the next morning, the neighbor goes in the yard and gets a, gets like a backhoe and digs a pond in the shape of a triangle. Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. That's like, that's like one of these things, like who would make that up? Like, like, (laughs) and then, but that's exactly the kind of thing that, that is, that's the kind of detail that, that is so, how to say it, it just is so elusive. And yet it's that, that those details fascinate me. Hmm. Um, you also said that there is a, there's a book out from Brian Short. Brian Short. Um, have you interviewed Brian Short? I have not. I've never heard of him. Okay. He, he's, sub, he's had direct experience. So Brian Short, I went to art school and, um, and some people who haven't not gone to art school, this may not, this, so Brian, like when I, Brian Short and I have, he lives actually fairly close to me. We, we meet up every once in a while and, um, he's a remarkable guy. I met him years ago. He was driving through Idaho when I lived there. And now I live fairly close to where he lives now. And we meet up every once in a while. Oh, he was at the event in, in Rice. Like oh. I show up at Rice and there's Brian. And so Brian went to art school. I, he is, he is an artist at the, in the truest sense of the word. His book is I'm going to be very cautious to say this, is so beautifully written. And it is called The Seventh Dead. And it is about his his coming to terms with these experiences that have that are in his life. That it would be too simple to say they were UFO contact experiences because they sprawl over so many other types of events. So he he wrote beautifully, he excuse me, he writes beautifully and poetically about his direct experience. And and all the associated phenomena that comes with that. So I would recommend that book highly, The Seventh Dead by Brian Short. And uh, Josh put his book out this year, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yes. I know. All, I, I, I yes. like. I looked at every. Yeah, that's. I. I, I did the. Uh, Josh McCutcheon put out a book, which isn't necessarily a UFO book, but it is a. It's, it is a. It's um, connected. There's. It's certainly connected, but it has. It has a, a lot of other associated phenomena. It's called. Um, you must have interviewed him on this, haven't you? I have not because I haven't finished reading it because it's so damn long. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it might be like, you might be next year before you finish reading it. I'll I'll have him on in a few months. It's, uh, I'm trying to talk him into making an audiobook and, and, uh, so it's a, it's, uh, the ecology of souls. Um, and it is an exploration of the, the mythology and folklore of death. And how it is interwoven into not just the UFO contact lore, but other associated paranormal lore. And it's two books. I think if you stack all three books on top of each other, it is well over a thousand pages. There's there's <laughs> volume one, and then there's volume two. And volume one is before he could get bef- <laughs> before he could actually talk about all the stuff that has to do with the connection between death and the UFO lore. And, um, you know, ancient sites and paranormal sites and, and like orb sites and think, sightings and things like that. Before he could actually address that issue, he had to do an entire 350, 400 page book. Um, I could, they're right on the shelf here. I could turn around and grab them. But before he could do that, he needed to address all the folklore yeah. and all the mythology 
and all the associated um, uh, you know what we have in our in 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 our collective culture as well as in our ancient culture. So he addresses that in book one. So if you finish that four hundred pages, which is fascinating, and then you get to the the next four hundred page book, and it is it is actually addressing the issue of how that how the, these mythologies of the dead tie into um, these paranormal phenomena. And then the third book. <laughs> Sorry, the third book is a is all the footnotes and all the citations, and the footnotes are in not. I'm gonna I'm doing this off the top of my head, the because I laid the books out, so I physically got in there and like and wow, talk about this. There's this is the single most complicated book you could ever try to do. Anyone who's trying to lay out a book and you know three three volumes, and I think there's two thousand. 800 or so, I remember 4,000 footnotes. I could look this up. And there, so there's 270 pages of footnotes in nine point type. It's a pretty <laughs> remarkable achievement. So I just, and I've said this, we said this off the air, but I, part of me was, I kind of wanted to like take a wet towel and kind of dab Joshua's forehead and just like breathe, brother. And breathe. <laughs> okay. Whew, take a big deep breath. Like everything's going to be fine. <laughs> Because wow, did he like take on a monster of a topic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that I, if I remember right, started because of uh, Ann Streber's comment that this has something to do with death. Yes, that is the yeah. when you open the page, the little um, what do you call? It? There's a single page where they where there's often a quote. Oh, epigraph. Yeah. Epigraph. The epigraph, the epigraph yes, is like yeah. Ann Streber's quote. This has something to do with what we call death. I've started reading it. Um, it's it's a long book. Yeah. <laughs> so it's and it's 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 a uh, it's a thick book. It's a dense book. It's a so it's three dense books. Oh, yeah, you got the, it, you got the but you got the Kindle where it's all one it, book. You know what? What I love about the Kindle version of really long books is that you don't get daunted by the physical size of the book. You're just like, oh, I'm reading a page, <laughs> and then tap, I'm reading another page, <laughs> and then you realize it's like 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 three months later, it's like, hmm, I'm at thirty four percent of this book but um yeah it's uh it, it's it's you know of course if you've read any of uh of, of josh's books it's it's well written and and just thoroughly exhaustively researched and uh, and cited and uh, and footnoted and things and it's uh it, it's really interesting to see how he takes a a massive number of of stories and references and and claims and accounts and experiences and and, and sort of works them all together it's it's uh it, it, it's it's impressive um Ooh, i, I yeah. forget how far i am into volume one but i'm enjoying it he had yeah. uh and, he had sent me chapter summaries he's like you could just read the summaries i'm like no i i want to read the book because every time i read one of your books i learn things it's not mm -hmm. you know absolutely like I'm not just doing this so I could talk to you about the book on the air. I'm doing this because I want to learn what you've written about. Yeah, it's it's uh, all his books are just. I mean, they're they're just so valuable as. I mean, apart from like just enjoying reading them, they're just so valuable as resources just yeah. to have. Yeah. Um. When you're when you're looking at almost any aspect of any of this, and I I think the new uh the new book sort of sort of you know adds that that sort of sort of death aspect to, to just sort of be <laughs> concise about it the death aspect to the other aspects that he's uh, explored over the years oh it's the it's the mother of all of 
you know, it's like the verboten thing. Like we're not allowed to talk about it. Well, like we're allowed to talk about death, but it's like, it's what's coming for all of us. And it's, you know, people want to deny it. And, and there's myths that have risen up universally all throughout the ages. And yeah, wow. He, he went for it. I gave him so much praise. All right. Well, we're just about out of time. Are you guys good to, to do a, sh- a Patreon segment? Sure. 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 Okay. Uh, so tell people where they can find you and your stuff, Aaron. Um, you can find me at saucerlife.com and saucerlife on Twitter and Instagram and anywhere you find uh, you find podcasts. And uh, your books are all on Amazon? Uh, the books are all on Amazon. And um, I was going to say the new one, but it's like a year old at this point, is um, – about happy positive conspiracy theories with happy endings and how awful they can be, but uh, everything from Stephen Greer to QAnon to Sherry Schreiner. I, I, d- I did, so. don't think I knew that one existed. Oh yeah, it came out in uh, December of uh, twenty one. Huh. I think it's so. almost two thousand twenty two. So we can yeah kind of like yeah put that yeah in that, it's, it's almost in this. There. That was a big event for two thousand twenty two. It was one of those books where where I I I started writing it. The week lockdown started, and I finished it the week I got my first round of vaccine. So it was very much a a COVID written book. And, and uh, Mike, where can people find you? You could go to mikeclellan.com, and then there's that is kind of an umbrella site that has a link to my blog and to my books and to my uh, various podcasts and and a few other things. And oh, hey, I put on an uh, illustration page where I have some references to my. Um, like a portfolio page. And then um, also you could easily search my anything that I've done by or find my, if you can't spell my last name, just Google UFO owls. And I am the first thing that comes <laughs> up in about the next 25 things under that. So, And uh, you are working on a new book? I'm working on a book of fiction. And I, and I, I, it has been such slow going. I, it has been a, like an emotional anchor around my neck. And I'm, but at, I'm happy to say there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I, and this year, 2023, I am absolutely knockwood. I am. It will happen. It will be available. Nice. All right. Well, thank you both. It's my honor. Thank you. Thank you. Always fun. I'd like to give a shout out here to all of my Patreons and a special shout out to those of you pledging $10 or more. Billuminati, Chuck Shutters, Leanne Cherry, Allison Cook, Super Inframan, 36 Dingo, CJ, Tim, Andrew Nichols, Matthew Sproul, Christine, a blue second gen MR2 drifting around a Japanese mountain, Patricia Gaiaquinta, Alex Whitcomb, American Rambler, Andrew Maines, Ann Witowski, Barbara Fisher, Beverly Williamson, Big Boy Limina, Charles Davis, Charles in Florida, Land of the Crazy Incommunicable, Chris, Chris Sisternos, Craig Parmenter, Diane B, MTK, Eric Todd, Jay, Jay Otto Bullet, James Lattimore, James Lindsay, John Bracken, Carla Mahoney, Kevin, Kevin Shrek, Cool Kitty, Kristen L., Laser Printer Jam, Lauren McLean, Linz Jackson K., Luke Osborne, MJ Armstrong, Jim and Sophie, Mark Brady, Matt in Delaware, Mr. Weird, Ole Andre Olar, Patricia W., Paul Jeffries, Philosopher of Mirrors, Ray Benedetto, Riker and Stark, Ron Dupre, Sam Sharon, Seed Person One, Stacy Sherwood, Tactical Therapist, Taylor Bell, Thunderboy, Tyler Glimstead, Varosh K., Vincent Trewell, Walker, Will Gebhard, Will Powell, and Ren Collier. 
Thank you all so very much. You help make this show possible. All right, there is a Patreon segment after this for those of you who are Patreons. Uh, I also want to thank some new Patreons this week, uh, Maynard W., Lime, J. Otto Bullet, and Eric Orton. And to everyone who's a patron, thank you so much for the support. And a special shout-out to Vincent Trewell for doing the awesome recaps of every show. Go check out his his podcast, The Weird Part, and uh, look up his book on Amazon. All right, I'm going to take you out with some Cactus Cathedral. I wanted something UFO-flavored to end this show, and they have a song called The Encounter, which is about a UFO abduction. So um, this is actually recorded live uh, in my studio for The Last Exit for the Lost earlier in 2022. The video for this is up on our YouTube for that uh, The Last Exit Live stuff. So if you like it, go check them out. They're from Syracuse, New York, and they're really cool guys. All right. And with that, I will see you next time. been listening to where did the road go this show is made possible in part from our patreons 
and we thank you and everyone listening for helping us continue this exploration of the strange. You can always find everything Where Did the Road Go related at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com. And thank you so much for your support.